Uh, how do you want to come in? Do you want to just come in with like the regular intro and then welcome back to another? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, you mean just like full? Uh, how do we do it? Yeah, it was pretty. It was like a funny thing. That, let me What's ask you a quick question. What part of that didn't you understand? <laughs> I, I don't know what full means. You mean like full? I didn't say full. I said just the regular intro. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. A podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown. And Tyler Benz. How's it going? Dude, it's going good, but I think we've done it again, and here's what I mean by that. Mm. I think we picked a topic that ended up being yeah. way more, like we bit off way more than we could chew, and we mm-hmm. didn't know that mm-hmm. until we started chewing it. Yeah, we we typically, I don't even know how to say Well, it. like, I just mean that as we started to, just like a lot of these things, as we started to kind of learn more about it, mm-hmm. and, you know, it starts with one thing specifically, and, mm-hmm. and, and listeners, you'll, you'll understand what I mean here in just a second, but... One thing like piques our interest, we start diving into it, and then separately we end up going on multiple different rabbit trails, trails as Tyler mm-hmm. likes to say, and we end up just kind of figuring out that, holy smokes, there's this whole like universe of information, and we could go in so many different well, directions. I, I'm thinking that it, it is one of those other sort of topics that is, uh, you know, you can get pretty deep on, um, and there's a lot of sort of different examples. So let's just play it safe and say we're going to revisit it again. Yeah, in the future. and I mean, if we're if we're looking for reasons to bring up Dungeons & Dragons in an mm. episode, I think the way we're kind of approaching this episode is kind of like a Dungeons & Dragons adventure in that there are kind of multiple or just endless possibilities where our conversation can mm-hmm. go. So I'm excited to kind of get started. Mm-hmm. But before we yeah. do that, uh, speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, what are we doing tomorrow, pal? Um, I'm going to practice DM or du- being a dungeon master, mm-hmm. and uh, we're introducing one of our buddies who has never played Dungeons and Dragons, Dan the cameraman, Dan the cameraman mm-hmm. to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And you know, I, I said this a long, long time ago, but I kind of had this interest in, in being the dungeon master because essentially their role is to kind of facilitate the story. Oh yeah, and kind of you know, deliver it to the players and the players kind of are the ones that tell the story in a way because they're making the decisions that they make and the story is kind of created around it. And so that's always been super interesting to me. And so I'm, I, especially after playing with our dungeon master, Ellis, Mm -hmm. who literally is an encyclopedia of information, I realized quickly that, uh, it's intimidating. It's a lot of time, (laughs) Yeah, but still I kind of want to practice it. So it's kind of going to work out cool because this guy's brand new. And I'm going to be in sort of a role that is brand new to me, mm-hmm. and so we're just going to uh, we're going to try it out. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, let's get to it. So as Tyler and I have been going over our endless list of topics that we have for mm-hmm. season two, we initially had a different idea for what we wanted to do for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. But I came across this article about this case, and 
it just sort of jumped out of the page at me. It was almost like just pure synchronicity that I just, I basically just called Tyler and said, look, this is what I want to talk about this week. Mm -hmm. You kind of explore, but I've got to tell you about this case, but I'm going to do it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I told you this name, Tyler, when we first spoke, but there's this lady named Shanti Devi. Mm. It's one of the best cases of children's past life memories Mm -hmm. to ever be recorded in history. It was so, like, impactful at the time that it was even investigated by, like, this committee of really prominent people. You might have mm-hmm. heard of one, Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on what this case is about and what happened and, mm-hmm. and why this just piqued my interest on this topic today. Okay. So basically, back in January of 1902... A little girl was born to this guy named Chatterbuj Chabi and his wife, Jagti Devi, mm-hmm. in this small town in India. And the child was given the name Lugdi. Mm-hmm. She grew up, had a normal childhood. She got married to this guy named Kidar Nath Chabi. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was an owner of a fabric shop. They tried to have children. Uh, the first one was unfortunately stillborn. And then on the 25th of September, 1925, Lugdi gave birth to a healthy son by cesarean section at the government hospital there in Agra. Mm-hmm. Okay. And nine days later, this poor lady died. This is on October 4th, okay? She mm-hmm. died of complications. She was only 23 years old. One year and 10 months later, a little girl named Shanti Devi Mathur was born in Delhi, which is about 145 kilometers north of Mathura. Mm -hmm. So here's where it starts to get a little crazy. Now, Shanti Devi didn't really, you know, do a lot of baby talk and babbling and really was kind of like a quiet kid Mm -hmm. all the way up until about age four. That's when she kind of began to speak. But when she did... Again, this is just the very beginning of how it starts to get interesting. When she started to speak, she started to speak in a dialect that was different from that of the family. Now, if you're listening to this and you're here in the United States, you know, it is less like but kind of similar to where like maybe if you grew up in the South and then you go up, not even to New York necessarily, although that accent would be certainly, uh, you know... um, Oh, yeah. Recognizable or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like Boston, you know how we have all these different accents, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's more than that when you're talking about these uh, foreign language dialects. Sometimes the dialects are so different that even words are different. You yeah. Know? It, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but the assistant coach for my daughter Amelia's soccer team, we've become good friends with him and his wife. They're both from India. And she was actually telling me that you know, you could go to like the next city over and mm-hmm. it would be a completely different language. Right. Which and the is same is true crazy. for like Indonesia where I used to live, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, China, but, all but, the, you know. But I, I'm yeah. not just talking about just dialectually. I'm talking about completely different language. Yeah, right. Which is wild. Exactly. And so this little girl started to speak this other dialect that, mm. you know, again, different than the family. And she started like, kind of telling her parents a a bunch of different, like, what we know now to be memories, but she would describe, like, 
certain events like cleaning silverware and, and this town named Matra and a picture of Krishna that she wanted back and and even, now again, this is four years old, and even of having a husband. Mm. She was given like a, a sari and she told her mom like, look, this the, the merchant that sold you this completely lied about the quality. And then she said like, I know because my husband owned a fabric store. Mm. She also surprised this like physician that of course like, okay, <laughs> now you Tyler, as a dad, mm-hmm. you know that like if you're, you know, four-year-old or heck even eight-year-old came up to you and was like, so I used to be married and, um, you know, la da 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 You'd be like, whoop, time to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's what these folks did too. They took her to the doctor. This little girl described in insane detail the cesarean section she had whenever she was, quote, pregnant with this son that she had. Mm-hmm. She would talk to the doctor and say, like, this isn't my real family. My family's in this other town. Mm-hmm. She'd never been to this other town. Yeah. And, like, all of this stuff as a little kid started just piling up. She would just describe these memories from her past life, essentially, mm-hmm. that there's almost no way of her knowing, you know? Like, just yeah. insane details. So, essentially, what we're kind of talking about today is reincarnation, past mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Tyler and I will talk about, like, what our thoughts are about it all. But this was the case that kind of made me think like, look, we got to talk about this because it's just fascinating. There's mm-hmm. a lot of these that I came across and I think it's easier now for us to kind of hear about or think about reincarnation. But rewinding the clock, not that long ago to the 1930s, this was really kind of the biggest case. It, it certainly made the news. It wasn't really a topic that was just talked about constantly, mm-hmm. even in India. So going back to it, you know, she began to even describe the way that her husband from her previous life looked like. I mean, down to really just kind of like three distinctive features other than, of course, him owning a uh, a clothing... Fabric shop. Yeah, fabric shop. Mm -hmm. She said that he was like kind of fair-skinned, had this big wart on his left cheek and constantly wore his reading glasses. And she also kind of mentioned that her husband, like her, the location of her husband's shop, she would talk about like what kinds of dresses she would wear, all this detail. Now, around this time, she's now six. And again, her parents are just getting kind of like, hey, you know, it was kind of cute before the doctor said nothing was wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But boy, this is getting pretty intense because yeah. at that time she started even talking about having this stillbirth and Which, what that. I mean, go ahead. for the age of six. That is... <laughs> That is not something that typically comes out of the mouth of babies. Yeah, right, right. It's not ducktails, you Mm -hmm. know? So this is when, like, her parents start to really kind of believe, like, hey, look, maybe maybe she is having some sort of memory of this this past life. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the one sort of positive about this is typically most Hindus do believe. uh, I mean, I'm presuming that she was, uh, you know, of... Mm-hmm. follower of, you know, Hinduism. Typically, you know, that is the, what they believe in, the the circle. You know, you, you're born, you live, you die. You're born, you live, you die. So I'm sure a little bit of that was, it was easier to swallow probably. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting too because she never really mentioned her husband's name at this point, not until around the age of nine. Now, 
an important side note here is it is customary in India at the time, especially, that wives don't utter the name of their husbands. Even when specifically asked, mm. she would kind of like blush and say that she would recognize him if she was taken to the old dress, but she would not say his name. Finally, they end up arranging this meeting with this guy, and he kind of initially, he came with another family member and kind of posed as if he was the brother of the supposed husband. Mm -hmm. But she recognized him immediately and would give, again, details that only his previous wife would have known from how the meals were prepared, what her favorite foods were, even especially later as, because at this point she's a little bit older and, you know, so this isn't inappropriate, but he, she would even give like the specific details about their like sex life. Whoa. When they finally met, she was like overwhelmed with emotion, obviously, and got to meet the son that, you know, again, we're kind of, I'm, I'm saying all these things with the kind of filter on that, but it was her past life, right? So she's now met her husband from the previous life, mm -hmm. who also brought his son, who basically she died after giving birth to only a few days afterward, right? And so she's now meeting this son. And so, so she has this like huge emotional experience. Mm -hmm. Word got around all through the country, of course, and that's how Gandhi heard about it talked to her, went and visited with her, and he appointed like a committee of like 15 prominent people, everything from like people from parliament, national leaders, members of the media, to study this case. Was her story sort of met with like ridicule or or sort of like, wow, here's, here's sort of proof of, you know, one of the tenets of our religion kind of thing? It never really talks about how that relates to Hinduism, other than, again, she never did marry because essentially it is a Hindu custom that requires widows not to remarry. Mm -hmm. Now, because of my limited knowledge of the Hindu faith, I don't know if that's changed in any way, if that's still observed or, or what. But, mm. you know, she, um, there's been several books that were written, several really kind of I don't know, famous reincarnation researchers and past life researchers and stuff went and interviewed her. And there is this guy who is, we, we would not be able to kind of talk about this at all without mentioning a guy named Dr. Ian Stevenson. Mm -hmm. This is the beginning of when I started going down a different sort of yeah. rabbit trail here. Yeah, he, because I think he's in mind too. This This case was super, super interesting. Again, she was asked ad nauseum all these different like points, right, to mm -hmm. verify, verify facts and, and, and all the all these things that she wouldn't have known but did. And so throughout there have been, you know, of course critics. There have been a lot of people that basically say it's it's just a hoax. But just real quick, man, that's a heck of a hoax to come up with at four. Yeah. And I don't know how you do, you mm -hmm. know? And so that's really kind of what what interested me in this just broad topic of reincarnation, past lives, and, and kind of diving into that and seeing where our conversation goes. Mm -hmm. So I encourage anybody to kind of look her story up. Again, her name is Shanti Devi. Mm -hmm. 
And it is one of the most famous cases that there's ever been about childhood memories of past lives. And so it's very well documented and there's a lot on it. And we'll also have some links in the show notes to the resources that we used, uh, you know, for all this stuff that we're talking mm-hmm. about today. Mm-hmm. But I want to shift over real quick to this Dr. Ian Stevenson. He founded the Division of Perceptual Studies in 1967, mm-hmm. University of Virginia School of Medicine. Yep, that's that's the one. And this is just, when I read this, I was like, man, this is so cool. So he established the division in order to conduct research in which scientific methodology is utilized to empirically investigate phenomena which cannot be explained by the currently accepted scientific assumptions and theories about the nature of mind or consciousness Mm -hmm. and its relationship to matter. So amazing, first off. Yeah, for sure. Um, Some of the stuff they studied, for example, and that he wanted to study further were various types of extrasensory perception, like telepathy, Mm -hmm. uh, apparitions and deathbed visions, after death oh, communications. No, I think this is another guy that I'm thinking of, but maybe he's not. The, one of these guys who, I mean, God bless them, these like scientists or doctors or um, they kind of push the field of like fringe development and, and you know, anything kind of paranormal related. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a rarity these days and then. Uh, so it, it's pretty awesome to see. But there, I feel like it could be this guy, but he would do these thing, these tests where he would, uh, there was like a local hospital in the area. He would go into, I don't know if it was like the emergency room or the operating room, but he would write like a word and put it on the top of a 10 foot up in the air, like filing cabinet. And his whole trick, but he wouldn't tell anybody, it would, it would be after hours in the hospital he would put it up there. And so that the typical thing is, is like you have these um, out-of-body experiences, you know, deathbed kind of confession kind of stuff where they would pass away and obviously they would kind of float out of body. They would kind of float up. But from that angle, they would be able to look down and see what the word was Mm. on the top of the, you know, cabinet or whatever it was. And that was like part of his studies. And it was just so overwhelming and it was, he did it for years and years and years and never really told anybody. But then, you know, after after he would find out that somebody had, you know, an OBE. Out of or, body experience. Yeah, or NDE, near-death experience. He mm-hmm. would contact these people and interview them. And like nine times out of ten, they would be able to say the word. Weird. Which yeah, is I don't wild. Know, I, don't, I don't know. Do you know if, was that Dr. Ian Stevenson? I'm not sure. I, he didn't come up in my research. I'm just, I'm totally going from for memory of... I mean, it definitely sounds like something that either he or his his division of perceptual Mm -hmm. studies would have investigated. Right, right. Because like you said, I mean, they did the after-death communications, poltergeists, experiences of persons who come close to death and survive. So Mm -hmm. NDE or near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and also children's memories of previous lives. I mean, the guy sounds like a ghostbuster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it sounds like Peter Venkman, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those guys. And, you know, he had tons and tons of incredible essays and books that he wrote. But he actually, the, the tie-in here is he actually investigated the Shanti Devi case mm. and, and interviewed her. Mm. And listen to this quote, man. He's quoted as when referring to this case, he says, I also interviewed Shanti Devi, her father, and other 
prominent witnesses, including Kadar Nath, the husband claimed in her previous life. Mm-hmm. My research indicates that she made at least 24 statements of her memories that matched verified facts. Mm. One thing that is pretty good about this case, I would say, is that it was so well documented. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the things, if you do kind of start researching into, you know, case the case for reincarnation, uh, one of the commonalities of that is, you know, once they, you know, almost always it's kids. And typically as they start kind of getting into six, seven, eight years old, those memories completely fade away. You're exactly right. That's actually one of the key elements about Shanti Devi's case that is so different and unique in that most of the time, like you said, once a kid reaches, you know, eight or nine, Mm -hmm. that's it. They stop talking about it. They forget all of those past life memories. And in her case, she retained them. Oh. um, and, And even sort of remembered more. Wow. So super, super interesting. Again, met with very prominent people in the field mm-hmm. of reincarnation and stuff. But, wow. I mean, even more excitedly, I kind of want to, I guess you kind of found one that was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And then I want to dive into what we think about reincarnation, some of our theories, mm-hmm. what other theories exist about it, what do we think about past life, past life regressions, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... After these messages, we'll be right back. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! We're ready to believe you! This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So reincarnation or 
it's also called metempsychosis, is basically what a lot of people would call the transmigration of souls. A lot of Asian religions, such as Buddhism, and like you were, we were just talking about Hinduism, they all believe basically that a soul is reborn into mortal bodies. Now, Hinduism is different because I think it's sort of a karmic debt kind of thing, and you're you can basically be reincarnated as animals. You know, it's not just a physical human body. Whereas mm-hmm. I think I think in like the more sort of Eastern Asian religions, such as Buddhism, they only believe that it it can kind of fall into, you know, it has to be a human, basically. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but it appeared at the end of the archaic period, the philosophy of reincarnation in the 6th century BC, mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I guess it became sort of prominent in Greece and from there kind of kind of spread out. One thing that's really interesting is the term reincarnation is just Latin for entering the flesh again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Which I is wrote that down. Pretty so awesome. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Also, let me say this. I, you know, we don't really get into our, our faith much on the show because mm-hmm. in this day and age, it can be divisive. And, you know, I, I still don't necessarily think that, like, we have to get into it. But mm-hmm. let me say this. I, I believe in a lot of things. I am definitely probably the, the quote unquote true believer of the show. You know, you give me any sort of fringe topic or, you know, cryptid or paranormal, you know, whatever. I typically try to find things that kind of anchor it into how I can believe in it. Mm-hmm. However, with uh, belief systems that don't totally sort of line up with reincarnation, I've got to say, while it is a topic that is pretty much 100% impossible to ever prove, yeah, you know, physically in like a, a, a lab setting, you know, scientific method involved and all that. I mean, you've got, you cannot look, I mean, I don't care if it goes against every fiber in your being of, of not lining up with, with your religious beliefs you cannot deny that there's the evidence is kind of mind blowing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially with it being nine times out of 10, you know, small children. And maybe, maybe um, it's because I have kids of my own. Woody has kids of his own. Mm-hmm. But like when you become like a parent knowing, you know, at age, so-and-so this kid was saying this, 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 it's like, it, it, it kind of, it's even more impactful if you have your kids of your own, because it's sort of like, well, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Like my kids not even talking about, you know, not even close to saying specific names mm-hmm. and vehicles and like so. Well, a couple, a couple things real quick before you continue. There's mm-hmm. three things that I wanted to address from what you just said. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think that hopefully with this podcast, now of course, this doesn't really fit into like our bullet points of our podcast here. But I think that one of the things that we hope for as hosts of this podcast is to kind of broaden a lot of horizons. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to remember that just because something doesn't necessarily fit into even as sensitive as it may be, uh, you know, uh, like a religious Mm-hmm. religious i just invented a word <laughs> religious background or belief mm-hmm. doesn't mean that thinking about it 
should really kind of, and I know this is not what you're saying, but you shouldn't threaten that in any way. No, in not fact, at all. To me, it either strengthens it or anytime it causes, to me, this is just something that I've believed since I was little, mm-hmm. anytime something causes you to question, mm-hmm. to research more or to read more and to study more into whatever it is that you believe in, mm-hmm. I think that is... I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, fully. You know? Yeah. Second, um, there is kind of a scientific way that Dr. Ian Stevenson kind of developed mm. to sort of not necessarily prove, because you're right. And, yeah. and on that same fact, boy, as far as religion's concerned, there's really no, you know, like, there's not a scientific m- method no. in place to prove, like, the things people feel in terms of faith, right? Right. That's Wh- which, you know, the the... Just the definition of faith itself is right. the unquantifiable. Right, it's about you know having faith, believing in something. Exactly, but he did develop this really cool thing. I mean, I could literally explain it here. It's pretty in depth, but it's called the combination lock test for survival. Mm. I'll actually put it in the artifacts too because <clears throat> I found the book that it was published in, <clears throat> and it just a real quick summary of of it is the reason why he developed this test was because, and I'll just read like, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. quick introduction yeah. by Dr. Ian Stevenson. In his introduction for this like test, it's like a, he wrote this medical article mm-hmm. and it says, much evidence which points towards survival of personality after death, especially that from mediumistic communications, falls under the criticism that the information communicated was either known to some living person or available in a documented form. Uh, I'm going to break in real quick. So in other words, you know, you watch these like shows um, and I'm going to make an admission here. I've constantly been a very hard critic of mediums. Now, listener. The same. if, If that makes you angry, I'm sorry. But I will say every now and then I'll see like some TV show where I'm like, holy moly. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. But again, it goes back into this argument that I always think of like somebody. Charlatans. Living or some kind of document, especially with the internet now. And I'm thinking specifically of this kid. What? uh, He's like the celebrity one. Uh, He interviews celebrities. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. I've watched some of those. He did like Kardashian. Whoa. You know? Yeah. But I always think like, man, with the internet, you can find so much of this information. Mm -hmm. So so that's... typically where my mind goes okay yeah well with this test this is what he was trying to kind of um either disprove or prove it's just a scientific sort of way to kind of figure out what's going on here so he says that in either case the medium so this criticism suggests might have obtained the information either through telepathy Mm -hmm. with the living or by clairvoyant reading of documents right Mm -hmm. and so you know fast forward many many years later that would be, in modern terms, the internet. Well, or, and I've never really thought about this, but it is kind of interesting, the gray area that kind of could separate somebody that sort of claims to be a medium and then the more sort of scientific leanings of, like, remote viewing. I mean, what if they're kind of the same thing? Yeah, right, right, right. You know? That's what he, and, and that's kind of what he's saying. He's like, okay, look, if you're saying that the criticism is that for a medium to know these things while the person's alive, it's either from information that they obtained, mm-hmm. whether they actually read something mm-hmm. or 
they got that information via telepathy. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to see, because also the same criticism is true for the case of like reincarnation. People will say, well, you know, maybe this person knew that because they were somewhat sensitive to that kind of quote unquote vibration. Mm -hmm. And they got that information because, you know, they're essentially like a medium. Okay. Well, and, and, and let's sort of clarify also a medium is basically you're speaking or communing with spirits of like people that have lived or mm-hmm. like past people that have that have lived they're dead and you're speaking to those spirits one thing that i do got to say that is also a possibility is there's also a thing that is referred to as the akashic record Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, celebrities, artists, creators through the years have made kind of uh, claims. I mean, even Keith Richards with satisfaction, mm-hmm. he claimed that he's like, I, you know, and well, he said throughout his whole career, he's like, I, I don't do anything. He's like, I'm just the antenna mm-hmm. and I happen to be there at the right time with my antennas raised and I pick up on whatever is g- being given to me and I just like regurgitate it. I spit it back out. And so this idea that there's this sort of big record of like all the world's information and it's just, it's able to be tapped into by anybody if they're able to kind of. Yeah. If they have that like. Like tune into it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Paul McCartney said the same thing about the song yesterday. Mm -hmm. And you and I both as songwriters can totally attest to what that feels like. Yeah. You know, like you, you can't explain it. You sit down, you mm-hmm. pick up the guitar. You may have had a day or two where nothing, and then all of a sudden everything comes at once. Lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, melodies. Yeah. The chord progressions, the structure of the song, it's it's just insane. Yeah. Also speaking of mediums, before we jump back into this, I do have a personal story uh, that I'll tell real quick. I also kind of, I just don't know where I stand. I think there's a lot of charlatans and you know, even going back to like the spiritualist movement, it just feels like the Fox sisters and that whole thing. It just feels like you're pulling the wool over the eyes of, you know, folks that maybe aren't as savvy or, you Mm -hmm. know, clever. However, this happened maybe when I was 12 or 13. I was in Key West. My family and I would go for around two weeks every summer There's a place in Key West called Mallory Square, and it's the furthermost point of Florida, of the United States, as far as like on the East Coast. And, you know, if you jump off the pier and swim, you eventually hit Cuba. And so on this pier, it's super cool, and I used to be obsessed with it when I was a kid. You know, there's there's people, there's like leather workers, there's like contortionists, there's like a guy that, you know, sword swallowers, there's a guy blowing fire, there's like psychics and mediums it's just like Frozen uh, but i ran across <laughs> yeah i ran across this lady that she kind of like i can't remember she she asked me to like you know come try it out or whatever oh she, boy she said hey i um <clears throat> with all my readings i record the whole thing i let you keep the tape if at the end of this you know and it's going to be on the record it'll be on this tape if by the end of it the things that I say, if it's if it's false in any way, if you don't feel like you received anything that was like accurate, then you get to keep the tape and I give you your money back. And I was like, okay, fuck, whatever. And I'm like a little asshole 12 year old kid. So I'm thinking the whole time in my mind, like, this is going to be free and this is going to be awesome. 
And so the lady kind of goes through and she, you know, says some like sort of character traits about me that could be hit or miss or could kind of be like everybody like, oh, you're, you tend to procrastinate. You tend to, you know, stuff like that could apply to anyone. However, the crazy part is it gets to the very end and she said, she said, I'm still picking up that you're not really getting this or, or that you're not really believing this. Yeah. And of course, I'm like the people pleaser personality. So I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I, th- I think it was great. You know, it's like that whole sort of personality trait. She says, well, uh, what if I told you something that would 100% make you believe? I'm already pissed. Why didn't you, I'd say, yes, ma'am, that sounds great. Why didn't you lead off with that? Well, <laughs> yeah, Go exactly. ahead. Keep going. Well, so she goes, she goes, you carry Orion's belt on your chest. And she, you know, as a 12-year-old, I can now look back and see that it was, like, pretty badass move. But at the time, I was, like, 100% confused. I was, like, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? And she sat back, and she just, like, she didn't say a word and, like, was waiting on me to say something. And I was, like, I don't I don't know what that means. And she said, do you mind pulling your collar down? Here we of, go. Of your shirt. No, like, it's kind of crazy. I pulled down my collar, and on my chest, I have, like, you know, freckles or moles or whatever, that's literally in the exact shape of Orion's belt. And Weird. and I had a black T-shirt, crew neck. There is no possible way that she could have remotely had that information. Unless she saw you any of the years before on the beach. Yeah, no, but anytime, like, that was the thing, too, is, like, anytime we would go to Key West, it was, like, it was never a place, because it was 40 minutes away from our, like, condo or, like, being at the pool and the beach. So there was never there was never a time that I would just be like in a tank top there or not wearing a shirt. It was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to kind of like dress up in my cool, my favorite T-shirt and yeah. air walks. I mean, I can't even imagine you with like any color. On, like, I'm just, <laughs> you're like. I actually tan pretty well. I, the problem is I just, I never go outside. Well, like, but, but how weird is that? Like. No, that is. She knew exactly. You know, and, and can I say something too? Like, here's the thing. Like, I have always been a, you know, an unfair, potentially an unfair critic of mm-hmm. you know, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, it kind of creeps me out. And so I've never, dude, is, I've never gone in and had my fortune read or, you know, like any mm-hmm. of that stuff has always kind of like, ooh, just because there, there's a couple reasons. One, I'm so, I'm like kind of scared that like they would know and they're going to tell me something that's just like, huh, dying tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, yeah. that kind of stuff or something like, you know, I, I don't know. So I've always kind of like veered away from that. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, I was thinking as as you were telling the story and stuff and, and in the interest of us just kind of getting to the meat of what we think about all this. Right. I don't really want to explain this guy's like test. You should look it up though, listener, the combination lock test for survival. It's mm-hmm. super cool. And, and essentially he developed this test so that people while they're alive can come up with a random combination for a lock mm-hmm. and then send that lock to people that say, I'm clairvoyant, I'm a medium. Mm-hmm. And basically he's not tr- necessarily trying to disprove that they are what they say they are. He's essentially trying to prove that people that claim to have these memories of past lives couldn't have gotten it via mm-hmm. this clairvoyancy or this uh, being a medium, t- like any kind of telepathy and that kind of thing. Or, you know, he's kind of doing both, right? He's trying to like say, well, 
if that's true, then this will work and that's kind of cool. Or these people really did have these past lives. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fascinating. Uh, one thing that I always kind of go to, and it's the same thing with like, I think you and I can agree on this, as like into this stuff as we are, like Ouija boards. Mm-mm, never done it. Automatic writing, scrying, psychomantism or whatever it's called. Like mm-hmm. all those things to me are like on the level with like Bloody Mary and yeah. it, it's just like you're just really like tempting, you know, something. It's it's like the famous quote where it's like you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss begins to stare back. And it's like. Right. It's kind of like, dude, we learned our lesson. Yeah. In all of the Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, exactly. One or two. Mm-hmm. You start messing with that kind of power, mm-hmm. you're going to open up a portal and you're not going to be able to control it, right? Yeah. That's always been my fear. Yeah, Maybe exactly. Maybe because of watching those movies so much when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I got no interest. Hey, man. There's enough crazy stuff in this life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't really want to go opening up doors to places that I don't know much about. Yeah. Well, it, it, like my wife, Courtney, she's anything that comes up with this, it's like immediately it's like demons. And while I disagree, <laughs> while I don't totally agree with that, I think I think there is room for like gray area and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do believe, though, that more times probably than not like these like mediums and like if you know you're you're talking to a spirit on in like a Ouija board or whatever even if it's not like a demon say it's like a lower vibration spirit or whatever i.e. demon Mm -hmm. but it's like Mm -hmm. how like what makes you think that whatever this thing is that is being very sort of like sort of clever and like vague and like tricksterish like mm. why would this th- person be like telling the truth i think probably oftentimes almost probably all the time it's something claiming to be somebody or something else yeah well let me ask you this since you are kind of coming at it in that direction mm-hmm. do you think that every single thing is nefarious i mean in other words you, you mean with like mediums and stuff? Well, I mean, I mean, just saying like if there is any sort of, let's just, just for this sake of this argument, mm-hmm. that things that have passed on mm-hmm. can somehow communicate. I don't know how long that window's open or whatever. Are you like, do you think it's always no, 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 no. bad? I mean, it's always got to be a demon. What about no, 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 Widow Webb? Because here's the thing I just thought about, you know, Widow Webb from our Halloween spectacular, mm-hmm. spectacular mm-hmm. episode. Yep. You know. It would have been scary as heck. It would have seemed evil. Mm-hmm. All she was trying to do was kind of like get her affairs in order before she, you know, got the yeah. golden ticket to, to keep on going. I, yeah. I, you know, so I think just like in life, um, there's good yeah. people and there's evil people. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Well, well, and even like there's, we got to do a show about it, but there's like a famous like Italian priest. You know what I'm talking about? This guy? Yeah. Are you talking about the one that like recorded? The, yeah, the yeah, radio yeah, yeah. thing. Dude, it's amazing. Um, hold on. I, well, it's in my notes somewhere. Yeah. Yes, we'll, we'll get into. We'll, we'll do an episode on it. It's this fascinating thing, and I mean, it could, I think it's like from like the fifties or sixties so, or something crazy, man. Uh, he had this like old radio yeah. that would pick up voices, man. Yeah, and he even unplugged that sucker, man. Exactly. People like, you know, like, well, maybe he's picking up a random radio signal. Nope. Nope. Yeah. No. I no. I I don't believe at all that they're all nefarious i th- but i do think that people that are like 
And and I need to, do need to make a clear distinction here too. I think there's people that are like sensitive. Like, I mean, as silly as it sounds, I feel like I probably fall into that. Like I, yeah, you're the guy that talks about the X Men and thinks that he's like. No, wow. I'm not saying that. But I I have seen and and felt a lot of things like throughout my life or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I, I feel like I probably am sensitive in some respect. And I mm-hmm. think that's totally fine. And I think let me just let me make a little asterisk here and say more sensitive because I do believe that like whatever it is, whether it's the veil is thinner mm-hmm. or it's you know uh, our reality uh, kind of crossing over to a, a multiverse situation. Mm-hmm. I think we've all had that moment where we feel like some people call it coincidence, some people call it synchronicity, mm-hmm. some people think uh, or, or believe that it's a divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are those moments in our lives where we're faced with some sort of decision and we kind of feel like we're sort of nudged in a direction. Oh, yeah. That, that either help us, save us or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I just wanted to make that distinction that you being more sensitive to other stuff than, than just sort of the norm because I think we all have oh, absolutely. a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, and I think I don't necessarily think that like, Oh, I've encountered this, so I'm like special. I think maybe because I am a little more open to certain things mm-hmm. happening, maybe I happen to like see. notice it. Yeah, or notice it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if you don't believe in miracles, you'll never see them. You're never gonna see. If, if you do believe in miracles, that's when you're. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. but what I'm saying is, I think there's a big distinction in someone like me or someone like that who has these things happened is able has had like these strange occurrences of the paranormal that that they just cannot explain and i think that's fine and i think you know there's a possibility that they're communing with with people that have passed on or or whatever Mm -hmm. we won't know until we die however i think the like the people that claim to be mediums that claim to be you know like psychics and and i'm not talking about like sort of the more psychic side of like telepathy and like extrasensory perception and all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sort of classic like mediums and palm readers and yeah. yada, yada, yada. The people that really do claim to speak to, oh, I'm, I'm getting a vision of like your aunt starts mm-hmm. with an M, ends with a, either they're total charlatans or there's a strong possibility that they're still, they are getting information from somewhere, but I think that the possibility is pretty strong that it could be coming from like a nefarious mm-hmm. place. You know what I mean? I mean, no matter which way you slice it, it's extremely interesting and thought-provoking. Oh, yeah. And know? boy, and we dude, derailed I, off of the reincarnation. I know, man. And I want I wanted you to kind of talk about yours, but dude, I got to say, I really want to hear your ideas, and I, and I want to express mine too about reincarnation past lives and stuff because as i was looking at it you mm-hmm. know obviously there's you know different sort of um belief systems in, in the hindu religion and in, in the buddhist religion mm-hmm. and those two i would say in the in the major sort of theologies that exist right. are really the ones that embrace this idea the most sure yeah but there's also this kind of like where i the two sort of like theories that i kind of read that sort of really piqued my interest one is called the 13 lives theories hmm. it's like a cat with nine lives kind of thing. well no it's sort of like according to this theory it, it it states that our souls pass through essentially 13 stages 
or lifetimes to complete one cycle of enlightenment. So it's more like leaning towards like the Buddhist kind of thought yeah. on it. And depending where you are in the 13 lives can determine sort of the various roles you need to learn from at this stage in your spiritual development and stuff like that. Mm. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And then another one that I read is that there, there's this kind of psychologist who, I mean, some of these academics, men just think about, they just kind of have the luxury of being able to like sit around and just like think, yeah. you know, I just think that's so cool. It but anyway, cool. Yeah. he wanted to kind of look at it differently. And instead of thinking about it as a past life, mm-hmm think of it as an alternative life. And if you think of time as, like we've talked about before on the show, more like Mm non-linear, that all of these lives are essentially occurring simultaneously. Right, exactly. And so you're having these almost invasions of of thought in your dreams, in your memories, that are really just occurring from an alternate life that is happening at the same time. Or or dimension or... Yeah, timeline, retro-causally, technically, Mm -hmm. I guess. To me, I kind of like a blend of all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, you know, it's just, I think mentally it's easier for me to grasp if they're not happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of like the idea of, and again, I'm not necessarily saying I believe this. I'm just saying I like the idea that in this life we're given the opportunity to learn from mistakes. We all make them. Mm-hmm. We've all made mistakes in our lives. We've all done really good in our lives. You get this opportunity, however long or short it is, to do something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I like the idea of that not being the final end, right? That there is something else that potentially we don't understand. We've been given the information that we've been given because that's all we needed to mm-hmm. be given mm-hmm. to kind of live this section of whatever it is that comes before and after, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of like dig that idea. Now, you told me something yesterday that I said, stop right there, <laughs> tell me on the podcast, mm-hmm. because I want you to dive into what you were talking about, about like the, the sort of intersection of, of lives and stuff. There's something like, what remember, that? you were talking about how like... I was so drunk then, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you were talking... You were talking about how, like, well, just as an example, the example that you used was, you know, think about the numerous amount of coincidences, Mm -hmm. choices, decisions that were made in both of our lives individually Mm -hmm. that led up to the fact that we met each other, became best friends, Mm -hmm. you know, wrote songs. That was the example you used. Go ahead. Yeah, so the, you know, if you do believe in... In reincarnation, there there's sort of a belief, and there's several sort of terms that I kind of knew about, but I didn't really know. And, and again, some of this sort of starts to lean a little into like new agey stuff, which, whatever, that's fine. But some of it sounds a little like okay. However, I do think there is something maybe to it. So, you know, we've all heard the term like soulmates. Typically, that's looked at as like a more sort of like romantic type thing, you know, you 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 have your one person, you'll find your soulmate. Mm-hmm. I kind of maybe believe that. I, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, no, 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 I, I, dude, I definitely do. Yeah. 
Well, now, are we telling? What, what, what? No, 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 no. I'm not saying. Like, clarify here. I'm not saying. Are you my soulmate, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I, sorry, that was a <laughs> yeah. uh, that segued into weird. Know, just different. Yeah. Um, and so with that, there, you know, there's the belief of like soulmates, which yeah, I, I do believe. There's this term called twin flames, and it's basically the idea that like when a soul is created, it's actually two souls, and so you know, say you and I were twin flames where you're optimistic, I'm pessimistic, where you get hot, I get cold, where it's like this sort of yin and yang thing that kind of also ties into like the soulmate ideas. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's really interesting is this idea of like soul families or soul pairings Mm -hmm. where, and again, I I just, I, I don't know how much of this lines up with like sort of my belief system or what I believe, but it is really sort of interesting just to just to sort of ponder and think about. But it's this idea that we sort of travel in this like pack of souls. So say, say in this life, Woody and I are best friends. We do podcasts. We do this. We live the rest of our days as best friends. We both die. Uh, boom, we're brought back onto the planet. Say, Soulmates. Yeah. Th- on this time around, I'm a female who's from London. Oh, boy. Dude, things got real. No, no, no. Just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a female from London. Woody's like whoever, a male around the globe. Somehow we meet at an airport, like hit it off. Da, 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 da. Now we're husband and wife. We live oh, the rest of our days. Man. Then we, then we die. Then, uh, say Woody comes back as a woman who gets pregnant and has a a little baby girl. Well, that little baby girl is now me. Mm, it's okay, like I this see what you're weird, saying. It's just like, like this, okay. You're kind of like it's it's able to. It's not always this, the the concept. The of same like, like, uh, like um, romantic or yeah yeah. It's also not the same. You're not going to live in the same capacity. It's not the same capacity. Right. Right. The next time. Yeah. Okay. That's, but uh, okay. That but the idea little, is that on the you're side for me. But go ahead. <laughs> no, the idea is that you're always like married sort of, to your daughter husband. No, you're always together, and yeah, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I thought you were gonna go in a different direction. Like, no matter what, bro, you know, you're gonna we'll, be my we'll just, wife we'll, next time. Jeez, I didn't <laughs> didn't didn't expect that. But dude, this is so, and this is part of the reason why I wanted you to like stop whenever you were telling. Mm-hmm. You didn't get here. I kind of wish I would have made you explain it so I could kind of like <laughs> curtail some of that. But like, what's crazy is so Ann and I had this like date night the other night. Mm-hmm. We went to this like wine tasting place. Maybe had a little too much wine. Mm-hmm. But we started getting into this like really interesting conversation. And we started talking about like, you know, I don't know. I do, if reincarnation exists, mm-hmm. something that I do believe in some way, just, I mean, for lack of a better reason than just like, it just makes my heart feel good, is that like there would be this gravitational force. Yeah for her and I to find each other again, mm-hmm. no matter what lifetime. Yeah. You know, because like even those circumstances are even more like just insane that her and I even crossed paths in our life. And that was it for me, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah. like, I don't know. I really, it's because I'm, a, you know, an emotional Italian guy. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it is pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, this idea that we're sort of, I don't know, there's there's a level of like, and again, I, I don't know how this 
plays into my belief system. But I do think there is something kind of like comforting, I would think, for like folks of like all these souls kind of sort of traveling the, you know, through time Mm -hmm. in like a little pack, like a little family. Mm -hmm. Do we have time to get into the... My That's person. Not well, yeah, we can go into your person, but I want to just talk real quick about like this this concept here. Because okay. I think, again, it's important for us to address the fact that I think that just because we're talking about a concept like this, mm-hmm. if if it is, and I'm really speaking to the listener here, if it challenges your belief system, mm-hmm. you know, think of it as a concept. It's just conversation, right? And so like to me though, I mean, Dude, should I dive into like, you know, like the... uh... Not yet, not yet. Okay. So I'll be quick about this, but uh, my story kind of revolves around probably, I would say, of the modern age, uh, another account of a possible case of reincarnation that is probably the most well-known of like our, our times, you know, now. Let's go back to 2005, and there is a small child... Uh, named James Leininger. Um, Mm. He's two years old. He has been having these nightmares where he would scream out in the night uh, like he was being hurt. He would kick his legs into the air when his his parents would, you know, run to his room and see what was going on. He would be screaming in his dream, playing, playing on fire. Little man can't get out. What? Yeah. So later... After this happened, uh, by the way, this also started happening four to five times a week. It was like a consistent thing every single time. So finally the mom, you know, as parents, we kind of say our kid has like a night terror or like mm-hmm. whatever. You know, obviously Woody and I, our minds go to the deepest, darkest paranormal stuff ever. But right. regardless, as a parent, you're going to be like, oh, it's just, you know, you ate something weird before Shouldn't bed. have bought that Dybbuk box in. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you kind of brush it off. But but it was happening so consistently that the mom, in the daytime, when, when he was awake, and again, he's like two years old, mm-hmm. she says, you know, what was happening? And he says, uh, plane, plane on fire. And he, and she says, well, wh- like, what does that mean? And he just says, little man, can't get out. And she oh, said, well, God, dude. Wh- like, can you show me what that is? And which this is an odd part too. You know, usually we have these dreams and then they're just totally separate from waking reality. He laid on his back. He put his feet up into the air. Oh boy. So this is something that's like on the, on the front of the mind of this kid when he's sleeping, when he's awake. He knew exactly what was going on. And she, she said, well, who, what little man? Who's on fire? And he said, me, mama. Hey. Also, this small kid, James Leininger, was fascinated with... Uh, airplanes and like um, sort of like you know planes like older planes at the age of two he was taken to the uh, Cavanaugh Flight Museum where all the other kids are just kind of like you know playing around or whatever his dad said that he immediately slipped into this like mode keep in mind two years old you know what that's like I know what that's like Mm -hmm. he didn't just like walk around he he started walking around like almost like he was like inspecting the plane, like looking underneath it, 
like making, like touching, like, like doing the checklist, basically. Yeah. Well, th- that's a little bit later, but yes, he oh, he was like okay, making sorry. sure all the the rivets were in the right places, and then they were like, "Well, where did he go?" And he had climbed into the the cockpit by himself. He had on the dash. He had grabbed the like the headphones, put them on, and then they said. By that time, you know, they saw him through the window. And there's like a video of this. There's actually a documentary, which I have not seen. I don't know if it's it's any good, but I th- actually think it's on Netflix. It's called uh, maybe Soul Survivor or something. There's, his parents wrote a book about it years later. But, but by the time the parents come around uh, to see him in the cockpit, he's moving lev- levers and he's like, you know, he's two. So a lot of his speech is a little... sort of hard to translate I guess but he's like just going through this whole like pre-flight checklist which again two years old yeah basically it kind of kept going on later they kept finding out that he just kept would not stop he all of his drawings would be planes uh, you know dropping bombs crashing this kind of thing it was kind of like who he was as a as a kid so finally one day his dad says you know, why did your plane crash? And he says, I was shot. And he said, who shot your plane? And he said, he like, he turned around and he looked at his dad like, like, you're such an idiot. And he said, the Japanese, dad. And he said, well, what kind of plane? He said, dad, it was a Corsair. Keep in mind, this is two years old. Man. Like how anybody would know this. Okay, and, and also let's say like, like, well, maybe he just saw something that, like his dad had something on TV or whatever. The dad had no idea what any of the stuff is that he was talking about. So the dad started like looking and, and had found out, he said, okay, you know, he found out like what plane it was. It was the Corsair. Kind of had like the, a line of questioning had brought him to the point of being like, okay, well, like where did you, where did your plane take off of? And he said, a boat. And he said, do you remember the name of your boat? And he said, the Natoma. And so the dad started, you know, looking more into this and being like, well, maybe there's, there's got to be something, you know. And so the dad found a guy named Leo Pike that served on the, on the Natoma Bay warship. Uh, and he's actually the guy that holds and organizes the Natoma Bay reunion in his, I think it's in Ohio, this small Ohio town. But it's almost like a, you know, high school reunion or family reunion, but it's mm-hmm. from people in World War II that, uh, you know, were part of that ship, the Natoma Bay. Yeah, you know, his dad contacts this Leo guy and after a few questions realizes that all of these places and the battles were actual sort of real places. He, d- he then finds out, which this is mind-blowing, keep in mind, little James would always sleep with these like three G.I. Joes. You know, they were like the, the you know, the foot-long, the 12-inch ones. Mm-hmm. Like the old school ones, he had yeah, like yeah. three like army men, you know, GI Joes, and he then finds out that all those army men he had given first and last names to, right? And so they're the ones that he sleeps with every single night, and it turns out that those first and last names Don't were men that dude were men that served on the ship. What? They were all killed in action. And James said that once he was asked about this, James said that they, they, they met him in heaven after he crashed. 
Yes. Yeah. Listen, it it just gets even crazier, dude. I thought um, sucks, bro. <laughs> no. So you find out that Leo is invited, you know, the Leo guy invites DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio invites James to his Natoma Bay reunion. Mm-hmm. At this point, James is three years old. And as soon as he shows up, he literally recognizes men and calls them out by their first and last names. Oh, old men dude. that are in the place without even being Insane. like, yeah, come to find out that when he was little, they would say, what's your name? And he would always say James the third, right? Mm-hmm. And they never really knew what the deal was. Well, when his dad was talking to this Leo guy um, who served on the ship, uh, was also a pilot, I believe, come to find out that he's re- he's like basically the reincarnation of a man named James Houston, the, the James Houston Jr. Uh, he was a naval fighter pilot that fought in World War II and on March the 3rd, 1945, as they were headed towards Iwo Jima, his plane took a direct hit uh, and at the age of 21 was declared missing and presumed dead. And so basically this is like the, this is who he was basically. Now this is 2005, well... Uh, I guess yeah. if he's three, like now it's like 2008. Yeah, he he's like... He, Do we have any follow-up? Do we have this... Like, what's he... Well, I think now uh, there was a follow-up. I think like a um, like a blogger or something did a follow-up. And he doesn't... A lot of those memories have faded, you know, like wow. like we had said. I mean, he, he still remembers the sort of, you know, super kind of tragic crash, basically. So mm-hmm. I guess what happened is he was hit. His plane went down. He didn't have time to eject with the parachute or whatever. And him and his co-pilot, you know, crashed into the ocean. And then him, like when he was kicking in the air, was trying to kick the hatch open. That's what he was dreaming about. Man. But because the plane was hit, even though it was like underwater, I guess internally in the in the plane, it was like he was on fire, which is pretty pretty tragic. But a couple crazy things, like even when he was in, uh, you know, when he was taken to that Kavanaugh Flight Museum, you know, his mom, you know, when you don't even know anything, you're like looking at your kids, you're like, you know, there was like a, like a, it looked like a bomb underneath the Corsair. And he says, look, there's a bomb. And he said, he turned to his mom and he said, that's not a bomb, that's a drop tank. And it's like little things like that. So he's, he's at this Natoma Bay reunion. He's three years old by now. Uh, they introduced him to James Houston's sister, Anne. And he immediately said, it's not Anne, it's Annie. She wasn't my oldest sister. I had a sister that was older. And they said, well, what was her name? And he said, Ruth. And he said, no, Ruth. And they look at Anne, this lady who's in her 80s at this point, and she says, yeah, that was my older sister. Anne alive, dude. They they kind of became friends. You know, they would keep, they kept in contact. She was so sort of fascinated with this that she ended up mailing him some of, you know, some of James's last items, James Houston, the pilot, including a small little silver bust of George Washington. And his dad asked, well, where did you put, where, where did you put this statue? And he said, it, it always stays on my desk. And they ended up later finding out that from his sister, they found out that when he was alive, like in his you know, farmhouse in like the Midwest when he was a kid all through school, 
mm-hmm. had this little George Washington on his desk where he would study. Man alive, dude. It's fascinating. This is what I'm talking about, man. It's just like this kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you explain that, man? Yeah, and the, and yeah. there's there, there's like, it is weird. There's also another thing that's fairly common uh, in these kind of cases. I'm actually kind of surprised that it didn't show up anywhere in this one is a lot of times these kids that kind of claim that, you know, claim reincarnation basically – They'll have like a birthmark or mm. like a, some sort of similar, some kind of like indicator, and like almost every single time, any sort of anomalous like birthmark or whatever, almost nine times out of ten, whoever they're like supposedly re like you know uh, reincarnated from, that's like where the guy was shot or mm. where they were mm-hmm. stabbed in the back or, you know, they fell and this happened and. So it, it's wild. It really does kind of go into this idea of, and I, again, I don't know where this sits with me, but I do, I, I don't know. There's something about like the birthmark thing. It, it just feels like there's some kind of like repurposing hmm. going on or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit before. I mean, it's it's a little bit like this idea of, and I mean, I guess you want to get into it now? Man, I don't know. I think I think this that what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Sorry to keep it secret, listener. <laughs> I think is uh, it deserves its own episode, man. Yeah. Okay. I think if there's anything that we learned here today, though, man, it's a couple things. But these bullet points kind of just popped in my head. Number one, if you're a parent, listen to your dang kid. Yeah. Although, you know, my youngest would say just crazy stuff like, my mom went to jail yesterday. And we're like, whoops, the daisies. Not <laughs> where it's, you know, they don't need to know that here at soccer. Mm-hmm. Real loud. Yeah. Real loud. Everybody thinks my wife went to jail, which is hilarious. Did they say something about your in laws too? Dude? I picked up my grandma at the jail today. <laughs> and we're like, well, um, that's not true. So, yeah. Because right. then, then you're like forced, you feel this like need to like make sure you correct that so that people don't think you just have like a, a family full of like degenerates. Yeah. But anyway, exactly. Listen to your kids. Pay attention to what they're saying because they may have. I mean, can you just imagine? And then two, I think we we all kind of heard it. Like Tyler really believes that he's my soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you no, know, but either. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, especially with that. Like, I do feel like there are like you know, uh, John Lennon, Paul McCartney. There's like, and, and just all these things that just coalesce. In friendships, in creativity, mm-hmm. you know, all the people that we know, gosh, our, our, our buddies over at Sozo Bear, you know, like mm-hmm. all these things happen and I don't know, man, I just feel like, but, but then, see, now we're going to make it, <laughs> then it's like, it's almost like, is it a railroad versus a sandbox D&D game? You know, like, mm. are we just magnetically pulled no matter what? the decisions are that we make, you know, that makes it less interesting. Um, well, I, don't know, I think it's an interesting concept, dude, you know, and, and, and maybe I've always, and I think this again is another separate episode, but I've always been fascinated with like dreams mm-hmm. and how this, this minds, definitely feels like it's on the same, in that yeah. same world as, as yeah. dreams mm-hmm. for sure. But and are we tapping into like another, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but one of my my buddies, and I wish I could 
ask him where he read this. I believe it was him that, that told me this, but unfortunately he, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. But he talked about this book that he read Let's where find a medium. This, this concept of <clears throat> um, dreams being where you're like, soul or whatever you believe mm. yeah. gets like once you go to sleep it kind of travels to this plane of existence mm-hmm. you know not heaven not hell or whatever but just this like area we'll say the astral where plane. you interact with other people that are also dreaming or whatever mm-hmm. and that's you know i think very simplistically like part of the reason why you'll meet somebody in a dream that just seems so real yeah. you know and, and it's somebody that you've never seen before in your in your life mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I promise you I'm not getting for over here. I opened the Dipic box yesterday. <laughs> no, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like all this kind of, in the melting pot of these kind of concepts, mm-hmm. it sort of reminds me of that. And I think, like I said at the very top of the show, this topic has the potential to just be one that we could talk forever on because there's just so much to it. There's so many sort of like, ways to think about it and different angles to approach it. Mm-hmm. It's just so fascinating. Oh, yeah. And there, there's tons of cases. I mean, the, these two were probably some of the most notable, I mean, obviously. But, I mean, they're kind of everywhere. I mean, even down to, like, stuff that seems pretty mundane. You know, somebody saying, like, oh, well, my mom's name was Pam. You're not my mom. And da 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 yeah. Then, you know, taking the kid to his hometown and then him... I mean, there's all these sort of crazy kind of things. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, I mean, you still can't, like, you know, prove It's hard it. to explain that away, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to explain away. But then it also, like, your debunkers are like, well, there's still no quantifiable sure. evidence. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, there there's always going to be people, you know, on both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. And here, that would be rad. Our whole point is, boy, isn't it just fun to talk about and think about mm-hmm. kind of you know, stretch your mind a little bit and get outside of your comfort zone and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. on air, tell your best friend that he's your soul. I mean, just, you know, really just important stuff. Just twin flames. You know. <laughs> twin flames. Islands man, in the stream. Ma- just just journeying through life. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> we're not going to let the wind sort of like blow us out. We're just yeah. two candles on different ends of the spectrum. Two that sparrows One day going to be a, a daughter and then the next yeah. day it's going to be a, I mean, man, it got real weird. Yeah. Well, it's been fascinating nonetheless. And we are definitely not experts in any way at all on this. And you can go nuts. And again, like we said, you can you could research this for days and just find mm. case after case after case of these just wild accounts. But this is our take on it. This is what we thought was pretty fascinating. And I love it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it served for no better reason than just to kind of like point us in that direction to talk about this, to read a little bit about mm-hmm. it and to kind of just think about it. Um, you know, in between episodes, it's just been a really cool conversation and I hope, uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. If you know of any books and stuff that pertain to this topic, you know, we've got a lot of listeners that know way more about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. If you're one of them, then man, feel free to, as most of them do hop on our Instagram after this episode's released and in the comments, tell us about it, you know, book suggestions, mm-hmm. things that we should read so that we can, you know, better educate ourselves on this specific topic mm-hmm. or any that interests you. Or or if you have your own case of reincarnation and want to tell us about it, feel free oh, to yeah. shoot a voice memo to that would be radpod at gmail.com or spooky stories or strange accounts or 
any and everything, we're uh, we're all ears. Yeah, and if you're not comfortable with like like my wife isn't, if you don't want to record your own voice because you don't like the sound of it or, or whatever, feel free to write it down and we'll tell that story for you. Oh, absolutely. So like we always say, we couldn't do it without you. We're just super thankful for you guys. Mm-hmm. So with that, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it